Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Uh, We have the privilege, and I don't want to take any more time because I want to give as much time as we can to our speaker, but we have the privilege to have Pastor Deshaun all the way from Sri Lanka and his son here, uh, all the way from Sri Lanka, and he was here 20 years ago probably, before I was pastor here, and uh, ministered here at this church, and since he's been here, something special has happened in his life. It's the same thing that's happened to me. We both became grandpas. And it changed our lives. So there you go. (laughs) Pastor Deshaun pastors People's Church. Uh, They are a church planting church. I think, I don't know, over 60 churches or more than that. He could share that. Uh, Amazing. We were able to plant uh, a new church this last year in Los Angeles. We're so excited to be a part of that, to help out in that direction. But uh, we would lo- I'm looking forward to the word that Pastor Deshaun has for us today. And South Coast Christian, can you give him a great big welcome today as he comes up to the platform? Thank you so much. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning. I'm happy to be here you with thank uh, pastor for give me privilege speak you you happy you uh, you understand my uh, english you okay i happy too you happy just kidding um, some of you guys are lying to your teeth. You're saying, Pastor brought this guy, he can't even speak English. And what a long day it's going to be. But, well, I guess I do speak English. It's my second language. British colony. Just, uh, you know, Sri Lanka is, uh, for those of you who don't know, the British name was Ceylon. So, you know, India comes down like this. And Sri Lanka is at the bottom, an island. Um, Sri Lanka, we boast of the best tea in the world. I just wanted to know, if you haven't drunk salon tea, well, you haven't drunk tea. Now, I know some of you don't agree with me, but I'm the speaker this morning, and I say it's the best tea in the world. (laughs) Unfortunately, it's one of the few things we can boast about. Uh, We've also had the best form of terrorism in the world for 30 years, uh, we lost about 100,000 people. Because we're small, it's not known a lot, but uh, it's a country that has gone through a lot of stuff. But about nine or ten years ago, the guns were finally silenced and the bloodshed stopped. But the persecution of the church has continued. And um, we are maybe a little over 1% born-again Christians. And um, so the church now is growing because in reality, we are probably 2 or 3%. But because of persecution, nobody wants to say that they're Christian. And, uh, but God is doing some marvelous things. And um, in 219, I don't know if you heard, we had the Easter Sunday bombings in Sri Lanka. Uh, many churches were bombed and many people were killed. And then right on that, 220 comes. So we are locked down in 219, then we get locked down in 220. 
2020 for COVID. Um, but in 2020 for COVID, we lost only 14 people in the whole country over the year. Then 221 comes the Delta variant. And in a few months, we lost 14,000 people, just like that. In our church alone, we had over 40 funerals and came over that. And then we thought, okay, now everything is okay. So we had feeding people, doing everything. And today I stand here as a bit of a relief or release to get away. Uh, Sri Lanka is having its worst crisis in its history. Due to corruption and bad management, all the reserves uh, have been finished. And uh, one family dominated and ruled. So we have gas lines that are two miles long. Somebody goes to pump gas today at, let's say, 12 p.m. Uh, tomorrow at 8 p.m., they still don't have gas. So we've, we've been uh, doing a lot of things, trying to relieve food shortage and all that. Now you're thinking I'm, I'm hitting you up for a mission sermon, giving you all the problems, and then hit you up for your offering. Well, trust me, we're not taking an offering, okay? I'm just here to tell you something that we need to realize the world we live in. I know you, when I come to America, I hear this whole, uh, you know, Biden, Trump, that, this, you know. The whole world is going through a period it has never gone before. You see, but if you're a Bible believer, if you believe the Word of God is true, you know, we shouldn't be shocked and surprised. I tell people, you know, some of them are waiting, say, oh, we wish we could go back to pre-COVID days. And I'm asking, what was, what was so good about pre-COVID? What do you want to go back to? You see, the, the world is going to take its own, own, own journey. But you see, in all this, child of God, let me tell you, God has given this 4,000 and then 2,000 years ago through his word, through prophecy. And he's told us what's going to happen. And he's telling us to get ready to be what he created us to be. You see, God didn't create you and me to survive. And oh, let's get through this and, and let's make it okay. And no, no, God created only one of you. Because he wanted you that way. He wanted me this way. And he has a plan. And you know, I, I thank America, I thank the church, I thank the Assemblies of God churches mainly because they came years ago and they brought us the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know, my grandfather's life was transformed. And then my father, and, and you know, now today there are hundreds of us who, 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 you know, we were told to live by faith. We were told to trust God. We were told that the word of God does work. But, you know, forgive me, sometimes I come back to the people who taught us this. And I see that some of them don't even believe what they taught us. And they got to do it all themselves. And if they don't do it, nobody's going to do it. And, you know, it's, it's like a heathenistic thing. I want to tell you what you taught us was true. It works. That's why I get on a plane next week and I go back to Sri Lanka, even though I can live here, because you got to be where God wants you to be. And God placed you where you are because he has a plan for you. He has created only one of you. There was nobody like you before you. And thank God there'll be nobody like you after you. <laughs> you see, you, one of you, one of me. If God thought Pastor Tom was the man, he's the great, he would have made 10 of him. But he didn't. He made one of him, one of you, one of me. 
You see, God has a plan. And God's plan never fails. Amen? Let's pray for a moment. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the privilege of sharing your word together as one family. I pray right now that Dishan would decrease and the Holy Spirit would increase. Let your will be done. Change our lives according to your word. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Forgive me, my time's all messed up. I think I'm in... And when dinner time, saying my mouth's run dry. So, God is God. God is dependable. Amen? God can be counted on. Thank you. And you know, God has a plan for each one of us. You know, okay, if you, if you agree with me, how many of you agree that God is dependable? Can you say amen? amen? That's not bad. Okay. Okay, if you agree with me, say amen. Our God is a great healer. Amen. Our God is a great provider. Amen. Our God never leaves us. Amen. Our God never fails. Amen. So the problem is not with God. You see, God is dependable. But today my question to you is, can God depend on you? Can God count on you? You know, I come from a nation, like I said, 98% or more than that is not saved. And, and, and you know, I am so privileged to be saved. Right? When, when multiple millions are not. And I want to tell you too, you gather together here because you're a child of God. You are privileged. You, you know God exists. You know God is there. You know if you just whisper a prayer, God hears it. Are you with me? So, can God depend on you? Can God count on you? Is Jesus Christ really the Lord of your life? Okay, don't answer. Just listen for a moment. Is he really the Lord of your life? Is he really number one? Is he really worth living for and worth dying for? You see, sometimes we act like we created God for us and not God creating us for him. Oh Lord, come and do this. Oh God, do that. Oh God, take care of this. Oh God. I tell my people, you know, take the word God out and put Butler James in there. It'll sound the same. Now don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong in asking, okay? I'm not saying don't ask. I'm just saying the attitude. And then we're saying, oh, I'm so mad at God. Why? Because God didn't perform the way I wanted him to. Friend, friend, listen to me. We got it kind of mixed up. I didn't create God for me. God created me for him. To work for him. I don't even know tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock I'm going to wake up. But he knows everything. You see, can God depend on you? I'm going to you know, talk to you from three, four verses in Luke chapter 6, Luke 6, verse 46 to about 49. Luke 6, 46 to 49. And the first one, Luke 6, 46 says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? 
Is he really the Lord of our lives? You know, I remember in the old days when the Iron Curtain was up, communism was ruling. Uh, in Eastern Europe, people couldn't meet and have church. So what would they do? They would sneak in on a Sunday morning. Two would come from a street, cross the alley, get into another small street, and then there's a room and they'd sit silently. Then two more would come. Then another one would come. They'd never come in a big group. Nobody would notice them. And once everybody had come, they would lock the doors and they would shut the windows. Then they would start to praise God. Oh, you're wonderful. Like we were doing a few moments ago with your leading. We were, we were worshiping God and everybody's worshiping God. God, you're wonderful. God, you're awesome. You are God and you know all, just like we were doing. One day while they were worshiping on a Sunday... Suddenly they heard footsteps and soldiers came and they surrounded the building with machine guns and they kicked the doors open and they came and they pointed it at the, the people and, and everybody got silent and afraid. Now a few moments ago they were worshipping God and when they pointed and they got silent, the leader said, just a minute. He looked at the people, he said, maybe there are some of you here. Although you are going through these motions, you really don't believe in all this Christian nonsense. He said, I'll give you 60 seconds if you really don't believe in this to leave the building. Silence. Nobody moves. Suddenly a few feet begin to shuffle. Then everybody is running, jumping, shouting, and out, not only out of the doors, out of the windows. In 30 seconds, they cleared half the building. Now, a few minutes before that, they were all worshipping God, telling God how much he's great. The men raised their guns. These people who were remaining bowed their heads. Suddenly, the men dropped their guns. And the leader said, brethren, we have come to worship with you. But first, we had to get rid of the hypocrites. It's an amusing story, but I have a serious question. Don't answer. If that same thing were to have happened today in this room, would you have gone or would you have stayed? You see, is Jesus Christ really the Lord of your life? Is he really number one? Is he really worth living for and worth dying for? Acts 16.21, Acts 16.21 says, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. So how does salvation come? Salvation comes when we do what? When we believe in whom? In whom? You get only 50%. Salvation comes when you believe in the Lord Jesus. You see, he's the Lord Jesus Christ. Many people accept all that Jesus offers as Savior while rejecting everything he demands as Lord. Let me say it again. 
Many people accept all that Jesus offers as Savior. Oh, Savior, come Lord, bless me Lord, save me Lord, more Lord, do this Lord, do that Lord. But then he says, I can only come in at one place in your life and that is as the Lord, as number one. And we say, just a minute Lord, not now Lord, no Lord. You know, I'm here to tell you in these last days, the sheep and the goats are going to be divided. In these last days, you're seeing the signs. It takes more faith to be an atheist today than to be somebody um, who believes in God. Because everything that's said in the Word, we can see it before our eyes. You know, I'm, a, I'm in a Buddhist country, Buddhist world, watching, and you know, people are talking about, oh, we're very soon going to have one government in the world. We'll go into one currency. I don't know the Bible. It's all written there. You know, it takes a lot more faith to be an atheist today. It's, it's happening. It's coming. So I'm telling you, you know, you and I, we are the church of Jesus Christ. We are not supposed to survive and wait for that day. We are supposed to do what God wanted you and me to do. Amen? You know, we've got to try this. In Sri Lanka, when the preacher says hello, the people say hi. Then we know we're on the same page. Okay? I'm going to try it here. Hello? Hi. Wow, that's pretty good. Hello? Hi. Hello? Hi. Okay, now we're right. So, you know, we accept everything Jesus offers as Savior. But as Lord, we're saying, no, Lord, not now, Lord. You know, in America, a few years ago, I learned a word that I didn't learn in my British English. And that is a word called an oxymoron. So, how many of you know what an oxymoron is? Okay, six of you. <clears throat> okay, an oxymoron is when you take two opposites and you set it together in a contrasting way. You know, you guys look more confused after I explained it than before. <laughs> Okay, let me give some examples of an oxymoron. An oxymoron is when you say, my, that is cruel kindness. Right? It has to be either. Or you say, my, this, this is intelligent stupidity. Or you say, that is a known secret. Um, or she is awfully nice. You know, and the others say, this is a, this is a real fake. I mean, you, you know now what it is, right? In America, man, you guys have some good ones. In America, you have wireless cable. <laughs> yeah, wireless cable. Or you go to a restaurant and it says, today's special is jumbo shrimp. <laughs> you know, things that don't go together. It's like saying... Handsome Pastor Tom, you know, he just, uh, just kidding, just kidding. I'd like to come here again. No, seriously, he's handsome, but I know I'll get your attention. You see, while, while that, I say that kind of funny, but the truth is there's an oxymoron in the church. The oxymoron in the church is no Lord. Not now, Lord. Not this possession, Lord. 
I want to tell you, if the Lord is around, you and I can never say no. If you are saying no, the Lord can't be around. You know, some of us don't come flat out and say it with our mouth. But in our lifestyle, we say a lot of no lords. I read this old survey. You may have heard of this. It's an old one. It's a magazine report on the Christian world in, in the United States. And it says, of those listed as church members, 10% cannot be found. 20% never attend church. 25% never pray. Of those listed as church members, 30% will never read the Bible. 40% never give to church causes. 50% never attend the evening worship service. 60% never give to missions. Of those listed as church members, 75% will only attend church but assume no responsibility. 85% will never attend a small group or midweek service. This is the one that really gets you. Of those listed as church members, 95% can never share the gospel or try to win one soul to Jesus. If you really look at the church, even 95% is not the right amount because we are not growing at 5%. But yet, this survey says 100% of those surveyed expect to go to heaven. Figure that out if you can, says the article. I can tell you what I figured out is it's saying, no, Lord. Not now, Lord. I want to tell you, my friend, don't be deceived. Jesus Christ is loving, he's kind, he's compassionate. You know, he's, 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 he'll, he'll give you many chances. He's, he's the God of love. But he's not weak. He's not to be treated like some thing, item that we use. Jesus Christ will not be Savior where he is not Lord. You see, he can only come as Lord. Yes, he's kind, all that, but he is Lord. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. You know, today we have humanism that puts me first. Oh, everything is me. If I can get there, it's that me first generation, right? It's about self-image and self-confidence and, and, and self-esteem. Now, don't get me wrong. All those things are good in the right place, right? So, you know, Jesus Christ becomes a genie in the Bible that we rub and say, Lord, come, bless my plans, my ambitions, my goals. And, and uh, you know, like when we play the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, it's our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be my name, my kingdom come, my will be done. Now, we never say that. But you see, sometimes that's how we know whether our God is good or not, because my things were all okay. I'm, I'm here to tell you, you know, you and I were created for him. You and I are to be instruments for him. This is the time when the world is going nuts. This is the time when you can see the signs of the end. This is the time for you and I to say, Lord, use me any way you want. Forget what I want. I don't even know what's going to happen tonight or tomorrow morning. Lord, use me. Build your kingdom. Jesus Christ will not be Savior where he's not Lord. That's why it says... You know, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? You see, we hear a lot, but we practice a little. 
And God is telling us it's time to practice what you heard. Practice what you heard. You know, in, in um, Matthew 5.19, Matthew 5.19, the second part says, Whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I believe that. Practicers and teachers, that's the order. Have you noticed that sometimes all we do is we want another word? Oh, give me another word. I want a word of prophecy. Oh, how come you gave that person a word of knowledge and not me? I, I, I want to tell you, don't get me wrong. I love when you have a word because you're encouraged. It's good. But you see, look at us, church. If you come every week to church, you hear the word 52 times. If there was Sunday evening, it'll be 104. Wednesday, it'll be 156. You have DVDs. You have books. We have a lot of word. But you see, we have... Two tons of word, of two tons of teaching, and we don't have two ounces of practice. And God is telling us it's time to practice. It's time to be dependable. It's time for me to count on you. You know, it's like when you're starving and hungry and you're going to a restaurant. And you go to the restaurant and you're starving and you take the menu and, and you start memorizing the menu. Oh, you know what all the starters are, the soups, the salads, the mains, the desserts, and you know everything, but you're still hungry. You see, the worst part is, especially in the time we live in now, here, even here in America, when somebody else who is starving, hungry, broken, has no answers, come to you, child of God, sometimes all we can give them is the menu. You see, and God is telling us, no, it's time to practice. Let me finish this story. Let me close with this. Boy, I woke four people up. As I said, let me close. <laughs> you don't know me yet. Because I close eight times. <laughs> so... The story goes on. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, do not do what I say? And then Matthew 6, 47, 48, 49 says, I'll show you who is like, who comes and hears my words and puts them into practice. He's like the wise man who reached down into the solid rock and built his house. And the other guy built his house with no foundation because he hears my words and does not put them into practice. So, you know, in, when we look at wisdom and being wise, we think, oh, the guy who knows a lot is the wise guy, right? He has four PhDs, he knows this. He, in the Bible, it's a little different, the definition. In the Bible, it says, the guy who knows and practices it, who hears the word and, oh, I've been in the church for 20 years, so what? Are you practicing it? You see, when you practice it, you become wise. If not, you are counted foolish. You know, the Bible says don't call your brother a fool. But if the Bible calls you a fool, you're going to, you know, you got to be a big fool. You know what I mean? So we got to practice. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Friend, think about it. Why didn't God take you to heaven the moment you got saved? Think about it. You know, I wish God took me the moment I got saved because my chances of backsliding would be zero. I know you have nothing to worry about that, but... Oh, brother, you don't understand. God keeps us here to mature us. 
You know, you don't need maturity to go to heaven. You need God's grace, salvation, you go to heaven. So why does he keep you? Why do we study the word? Why do we take classes? Because maturity, listen to me, is for down here. Maturity is so you will be an effective minister in your family, in your workplace. Maturity, you know, the only thing you can't do is share Christ with others. You know, that's the greatest job God has given every one of his children. Have you noticed you ask this pastor here playing the keyboard, I don't know, what do you guys do? Two hours a week of worship rehearsal? One and a half, one, whatever. Yeah, that's about that. Every church around the world. Then we do another over an hour for discipleship. We teach classes. We do uh, fellowship times in our cell groups. We do all those things. They're great. But they're only rehearsals because the worship in heaven cannot be compared to what we do here. But we mandate worship practice. We mandate small groups and fellowship. We mandate teaching in our churches. Oh, you got to go one hour a week for this and one and a half hours for that and two hours for this. All those things we will be doing when we get to heaven. Better than here. But let me tell you, there's one thing we don't mandate in our churches. We don't mandate and tell you and tell myself, you have to every week go and tell somebody about Jesus. And that's the only thing you cannot do when you get up there. You can only do it here. But we don't mandate that. We mandate everything else. I don't know, I, I don't know why I'm saying this, but you know, it's burning inside of me. We, you know, when we go up there, you don't tell anybody about Jesus because everybody there already knows him. But there are people in your family who will never make it. Because God is making you salt, making you light. You know, it's easy sometimes to put the money in the offering or to send it to somebody and get somebody else to do it. But there are some people who will never be reached if not for you. That's why God made you. He put you there. That's why when the Holy Spirit was given, the first thing was not speaking in tongues or moving in the gifts. You know, those are great. Don't get me wrong. The first thing was, so you will be my witnesses. So you will just say it as it is. You will not just sit there for months and even years and keep it all in, waiting to go to heaven. You will do what needs to be done, only what can be done while you are here on earth. Is Jesus Christ really the Lord of your life? Is he really number one? Why do you call me Lord, Lord and do not do what I say? Let me close. I'm really closing. I had a friend, same age as me. And, um, well, before he became my friend, he was a priest of another religion. And he was a seeker, so he went doing stuff, seeking, you know, with his robes and everything else. And uh, a missionary used to go to the temple and throw gospel tracts at the gate. One day he picked one up and it really intrigued him because all his questions, he saw some of them being answered. So he, he, long story short, he left his robes, came out, met the missionary, gave his heart to Jesus, was completely transformed. And these priests, you know, they, they're handed to the temple when they're seven years, eight years, you know, small. So they, they didn't know anything else. 
He comes out, he gets saved. They send him to Bible school. He comes out of Bible school. He said, I want to plant a church. But he said, I don't want to do it the normal way. I want to go to the deep south of Sri Lanka. I want to go where there is no church in the whole district. So he goes and it's very hostile. I mean, you know, we had pastor and wife go visiting and they went on their motorcycle and they finished visiting. They come back with their 10-year-old son. They park, another motorcycle comes with two full helmets and they shoot the wife, shoot the pastor. Pastor dies. The wife has a bullet so many millimeters from her spine. She limps. But just to let you know, she still pastors the church with the limb. Uh, so that's the kind of environment. So he, he's here in the deep south and he's talking to people one-on-one. One on one. He gets married and he brings his wife over. They have an 11-month baby. And uh, one day, he decides to have a service after three years of one-to-one. He's reached about 300 people. So after three years of one-to-one, he um, says, I'm going to start a Sunday service. He starts service. He has like 12 people, you know, maybe 15 at max. And uh, after a few months, he takes the bus. He comes seven, eight hours down to the city where we were. I was living with my parents at that time. We were, he and I were both 26 years old. It's like two years ago. Um, so here we are. And my dad was the uh, head of the Assemblies of God. So we were uh, there and he comes and he says, Hey, my, the, the village priest had a big meeting. And he said, Christianity was a little plant. We could have plucked it with our fingers, but we didn't. So today it has grown to become a tree. We have to now axe the tree down. So my father looked at him and said, you know what that means? They're going to kill you. You go back, bring your baby and wife and come live with us in the city. When things cool down, you can go back. So he said, no way, Pastor. God called me there. I have to go. And I remember that night I gave him my room, my bed to sleep on. And the next day he went back the long journey. About four days after he went back, he was playing with his baby at 8 o'clock at night. And two men came to the door and knocked on it. He went to the door and uh, the one man said, Pastor, we need to talk to you. He said, just a minute. He walked to the back room, gave his baby to his wife. He came back. As soon as he opened the door, one man took a homemade gun, put it in his mouth and pulled the trigger. Because it was a homemade gun, his mouth exploded, but he didn't die. So he held his mouth together like this and he ran to the back room where his wife and baby were. And the other man followed up with a knife and stabbed him many times till he was dead. You know, that day, all our lives came to a stop. We didn't know what to do. We are such a minority. We had no support. So for his funeral, all of us were going. Our leaders of the Assemblies of God, they stopped in, in mid-journey and took all the younger pastors and put us in a hotel room and said, you're not going. Only the older ones are going for the funeral. If something happens, the younger ones can continue the ministry. And you're cutting a long story short. His wife, after all that, said, I want a pastor. You know, our denomination said, you are not, you don't have credentials. You, you don't have tra training. So what we did from our church is we said, listen, we will give her training on the run. Put that under us. So we, we trained her. And um, I was in charge of the South at that time. So 
I would go and one day when I went, it was a memorial service a few years later for him. And um, after the service, so many people, we were having lunch. And when he had lunch, he said, Pastor, the same people who killed my husband have sent me a message and said that if you don't quit, we're going to do the same thing to you. She said, but I had no problem because I knew it was God's will for my husband to go. Because we had a conversation or two about moving from here. But I knew it was not God's will for me to go. So I sent them a message back. And I said, it's God's will. It was God's will for my husband to go. But it's God's will for me to stay. So even if you want to kill me, you can't kill me. Till God says, come home. You know, I want you to know today, we don't have one church in the deep south. We have 10, 15 churches. We have hundreds of believers. We have kids in Bible school. You see, doing what needs to be done. You know why? Listen, listen to me. It's because somebody was willing to say, yes, Lord, and not no, Lord. Yes, Lord, and not no, Lord. You see, I bring this to you to tell you that God created only one of you. God doesn't anoint buildings. God doesn't anoint pulpits or, or, or electronics or instruments or television. No, God only anoints men and women. You are God's man. You are God's woman. There is only one of you. Don't survive. God wants to use you. This is the time. This is the time. And you know, before you think about going overseas and being a missionary and all, which is good, He wants to use you where you are. He wants to use you right where you are. Because He has a plan for you. He takes that one lady and transforms the whole of the south. Because you see, she said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Will there be anybody in heaven because of you? Not your church, not your pastor, not your, your programs. Will there be anybody in heaven because of you? You see, friend, listen to me. God is, I'm giving you a story of Sri Lanka. God is not calling you to die for him, at least yet. He's not calling you to die for him. He's asking you to live for him. Stand up for him. Do what needs to be done so that he can use you. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. I believe God wants to use you, but you have to make up your mind. You have to realize that there is nobody but you that can do your job. God makes no mistakes. God makes no junk. There's nobody here who's useless and inferior. That's the biggest lie of the devil. You are so valuable. God is so interested in what you can do. That's why he created you. I want you to close your eyes and, and ask the Lord, you know, to speak to your heart. And then I would like you to stand all together and say, Lord, here am I. Do what needs to be done as pastor comes. What a powerful message. Is the Lord of Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Let's just bow our heads for a second. As Pastor Deshaun delivered a challenge to each and every one of us.
if you're here today and you haven't made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, or if you're maybe you're watching online and you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus, He wants you to be the Lord. He wants, he wants you to ask Him to be Lord of your life, to surrender all to Him. That's His desire. That's His calling for your life. And if you haven't made that decision before, man, I just challenge you today. Take a step of faith. Just choose to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. That's what the Word of God says. With your head bowed, eyes closed. I'm not even going to ask for hands right now. I'm just going to ask for hearts to open up in Jesus' name. If you've been running from God, if you've, been, if you've maybe been in the church for the last 30 years, but you've never really made Jesus the Lord of your life, maybe today is the day of salvation for you. Maybe today is a day of commitment. Maybe the, the touch of God on your life is, is to step out in faith and not just to come to church, not just to say that you're a Christian, but to, to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to be a leader in this world. And if that is you today, I want everybody online, here, in, in person, just repeat this prayer after me and mean it in your heart for those who want to make a commitment to Christ today. Maybe you're making a rededication of your life. Maybe you're making the first time commitment to follow Jesus. Man, in doing so, it will change your life. Just say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, today I choose to follow you. I make you Lord of my life. I surrender all to you. I give you my sins. Set me free from my sins. Give me the power of your grace. Help me to follow you and do what is right. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Pastor Deshaun shared such a powerful message. And uh, we're we're going to wrap it up here. I know we're going a little longer. It's okay, guys. Just relax. Okay? Just relax. Pastor Sean, the message you shared today, I understand one of the reasons for me in my life is that I was getting ready to do a new series coming up for this summer, and I was trying to figure out what I was doing. I was going to do the Gospel of Matthew, but then I really felt brought back. I said, no, no, no. Do something. Here's it. And just, I was praying, and all of a sudden it just came to me. I'm going to be doing a series on the 12 disciples. And I thought how perfect it is right now that Pastor Deshaun shared a message is Jesus the Lord of your life. Because I'll tell you what, Jesus took 12 ordinary people. Yeah, one betrayed him, but the other 11 were willing to die for Christ. He took 12 ordinary people that all of a sudden that they made a decision to follow Jesus. Their lives were forever changed by the power of God. And you know what? There is no reason why we cannot be a disciple of Jesus, where our lives are changed, not because of anything that we can do, but because of everything that He can do through us. It's when we are willing to accept Him and be willing to follow Him that all of a sudden our lives are opened up. And I want to go on that journey for the next 12 weeks. As we walk through the summer, let's become true disciples of Jesus Christ who are going out and professing the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It is when Jesus said to Peter, He said, Who do people say that I am? And Peter responded, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Peter's life was forever changed as he continued to walk with Jesus. Yeah, did Peter make mistakes? Sure he did. 
but man, he made the mistakes that were the mistakes that I want to make. With the mistakes that were willing to step out in faith, to believe that who Jesus is. See, as we walk through this, let's make Jesus the Lord of our life. Man, in this American culture, the American culture wants to make Jesus everything but the Lord of your life. Let's bring Jesus back to America. Let's just bring Jesus back to South Coast Christian. Let's make him the Lord of our life and we'll go on that journey together. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.